go. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Ask Anything presented by Mosher Consulting. I'm your host, Angel Leon, Mosher's Director of Personnel. We're glad you're with us for this episode of Ask Anything. And with us today is Leslie McKellar, who's going to be talking to us about emotional intelligence. Leslie is helping Motion Consulting with putting together a very thorough workshop on emotional intelligence or EQ. And today she's joining us to go over some of its curriculum and also speak about the topic in general. So stay tuned for that. Leslie was born in Zimbabwe and lived in Canada, South Africa, and the United Kingdom before settling in the United States more than 30 years ago. For the past five years, she has been leading her own executive coaching and leadership development practice. She has worked with over 300 executives in a variety of industries and frequently focused on developing emotional intelligence capabilities. With more than 25 years of business experience on three continents, she works with organizations to address their critical business challenges and improve overall results. To support these efforts, Leslie works with leaders to identify the changes they need to make personally or with their teams to ensure organizational change is sustainable. Leslie, welcome to Ask Anything. We're very happy to have you with us today. How are you? I'm great. Thanks so much, Angel. And I'm delighted to be here. Well, I'm super happy to have you with us today because this is a topic that I really enjoy talking about. So let's start by answering the question, what is emotional intelligence and why is it important? Well, great question. So just to state it simply, I describe emotional intelligence as the ability to sense, understand, and effectively apply emotions to be more productive and collaborative with others. There are a number of other definitions out there, but they pretty much say that all around noticing your own emotions, managing them effectively, and then figuring out how to use your emotions to be effective with others as you particularly engage in the workplace. Why is it important? Wow. Well, I think coming out of a pandemic, we may have all recognized now that we're emotional beings. We may have thought we were rational thinking adults, but we maybe I need to speak for myself here, but I know coming through the last few years, I realized, yeah, I'm just as emotional as the next person. But there's a lot of actual research to back this up. I think particularly of Daniel Goleman, who I consider to be the grandfather of emotional intelligence. He did a study back in the 90s where he said that, in fact, to quote him, when he looked at the ratio of technical skills, IQ, and emotional intelligence as ingredients of excellent performance, emotional intelligence proved to be twice as important as the others for jobs at all levels in an organization. I think that's pretty compelling. Maybe our own experience tells us that that's likely to be true, because when you think about it, as we enter the workforce, organizations are looking at, you know, your GPAs, your technical experience, potentially your IQ as well as it plays out in those arenas. And those are clearly important because they're tickets to entry into the workplace. Right. But then when you begin to see what makes or breaks careers, in organizations, it tends to be the other so-called soft skills. I almost Mm -hmm. hate to call them soft because they are hard to develop, (laughs) but those so-called soft skills are the ones that seem to differentiate the people who succeed versus those who don't. Uh, We can all think of highly intelligent, technically skilled individuals, but who are volatile, who can't play well with others and see how they're careers derail. We've all come across those individuals, I'm sure. And that's kind of what we're talking about here and why EQ is so important for everybody, not just those in leadership, but for everybody. Yeah, I agree. It certainly 
I'm going to piggyback off something that you mentioned about when we come into new positions or we're looking at job postings, there isn't a listing within that job posting about anything related to emotional intelligence or, or any of that matter. Everything is skill set after skill set. And mm -hmm. do you have this certification? Do you have a degree from, from a uh, an accredited school, et cetera, which yeah. you're right. When people usually get introduced to that new workplace, they have to ingrain themselves in this new workplace and not only just use obviously their technical skill set, but also how do you navigate the people that are around you at first mm -hmm. and make that what we always seem to call that first impression, you know, first impressions uh, always last longer than anything else. I feel that first impressions mean much more in an emotional intelligence kind of way than in a show me what you know, technical skills kind of way. Yeah, yeah. And the fact is, you know, even folks in highly technical roles, it's very rare that they're operating in a silo. They right. invariably have to work in teams. And that means being able to play well with others, as I put it. Uh, if you haven't figured that one out, you are really seriously curtail your ability to grow and develop within, I think, most workplaces today. Yeah, to that point, I don't care how much you know or what you can teach me. If I can't stand being around you, I'm not going to be able to learn anything. Yes. Yeah. No, it's a great point, Brian. It actually reminds me of that great Maya Angelou quote about, you know, and I'm paraphrasing here, but it's um, people will forget what you said or did, but how you made them feel mm -hmm. is what's long lasting. And I think that very much uh, interrelates with what we're talking about here. Yes. And that ties into my next question, which is how does emotional intelligence tie into leadership? As a leader myself, I always have to remind myself that the people at the other end are people. And so a lot of times, and I'm, I don't want to dive too much into the topic, but a lot of times leaders forget that when they're making decisions and when they're working with their subordinates, with the people that they work with. So how does emotional intelligence tie into leadership? It very much ties in. Going back again to Daniel Goleman, you know, who did this incredible study back in the mid 90s that kind of laid the groundwork for today's EQ. He said, you know, as much as EQ is important to people in all lines of work and was, you know, two times as likely to predict success as technical skills for IQ. He said when it came to senior leadership roles, to quote him here, um, when I compare star performers with average ones in senior leadership positions, nearly 90% of the difference in their profiles was attributable to emotional intelligence factors rather than cognitive abilities. Hmm. So 90% of leaders' success is due to EQ-type factors, which I think is really compelling because when you think about it, the higher up you are in an organization, it's less about your technical skills. It's more about your ability to get things done through other people. Right. And that very much speaks to EQ skills. There's also further um, studies out there that I think it was Harvard came up with this concept of the service profit chain, which it, the premise was that you need strong leaders, which included having these kind of EQ skills to have engaged employees. If you have engaged employees, you build loyal customers. If you have loyal customers, you're going to be successful in your business and get the profits that you're, you're striving for. So it's like, but it all starts with those leaders being highly effective. And Goldman and others, there's a group called Six Seconds, 
who've done a lot of work, they're a global group in this area, and they looked at leaders and their studies showed that leaders who score high on emotional intelligence are seven times as likely to have high leadership performance outcomes. So the employee engagement, you know, high performing teams, the the ultimate positive outcomes that be it a not-for-profit or a for-profit business, whatever you define as successful performance in your line of work. But it all starts with those leaders and those leaders having high EQ. Yeah. And I've always seen EQ with high relationship management, how you relate to others, to your employees, to the people that surround you, even those at the same level as you are Mm -hmm. as a director, a VP, et cetera. That blends into some of this because I believe that the stronger you are in building those relationships, the better support you're going to get from that network that you're immediately supervising. And so it just creates that trickle down effect that you were mentioning about if you have an engaged workforce, then you're going to have an engaged product and then you're going to have an engaged clients, et cetera. So then all that just turns around in a high return of investment, very successful teamwork. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And you get the ultimate business outcomes you're you're striving for. Absolutely. So let's turn to the individual here. How could someone be able to rate their EQ skills? Well, there are a number of assessments out there. We at Mosher are using TTI, Target Training International's Emotional Quotient, and it assesses people around five components of emotional intelligence. The intrapersonal, which involves self-awareness, you know, being able to notice your emotions and name them, self-regulation, being able to not just notice your emotions, but then manage them in a productive manner, motivation, which is the glue that holds it all together without that drive to want to improve and grow. None of this will happen. You won't make progress (laughs) with emotional intelligence. And then the interpersonal, a very important aspect too, which is They call it social awareness, which is really another word for what we would commonly call empathy, Mm. being able to put yourself in the shoes of others. And then social regulation is all around those social skills to be able to network and manage how to work effectively with others. When you get scored on all five components within the TTI success index assessment and then get a sense of where you are in your EQ journey. And um, I would like to stress here, it is a journey. And what's kind of interesting about EQ assessments, unlike other ones, people sometimes get freaked out when they see their scores because they may not, you know, if they're high achieving individuals, as many of people in our organizations are, it's like, what do you mean I got a 50 or a 60 on this? You know, I'm not used to scoring that low. (laughs) And the fact is, this is a very different kind of assessment. And it Because it's measuring our emotions. And if we're honest, when we take it, you know, we're all still works in progress. And added to which, it's very much impacted by the day you take it. So if you're having a tough day, it'll probably show up in your assessment. Mm -hmm. And so it changes over time. And I think that's a good news thing, because it's actually one of those things you can, IQ is pretty much fixed by the time you're 18, 21. It is what it is. You don't get smarter or gain in IQ points after you're fully grown. But EQ is different. You can grow and develop EQ into your 60s and 70s. And we see that. I mean, we all started out life as those emotional toddlers who had no (laughs) self-awareness, had no idea where emotions were coming from, had no concept of 
social regulation or sharing. I mean, they have a tantrum every four minutes. No concept of sharing or that there are other people in the world. That's how we all start out. And we're mm -hmm. on this hopefully generally upward trajectory through life to the point at which, you know, in your 60s and 70s, people often comment on how people have mellowed. They've actually grown their EQ is what's really happened, I think. But on any given day, there can be, it'll be a little bit of a roller coaster. Hopefully it's an upward trajectory, but there's a bit of a roller coaster. And I'll tell a story on myself. During the uh, pandemic, I had a reason to take this assessment uh, a second time. I'd taken it, and I think it was 2018, took it again in October of 2020 and found to my horror initially that my score was significantly down on a number of factors. And I went, oh my gosh, I'm running workshops on this. I'm coaching people in EQ. How can I be getting worse? And then I went, oh yeah, you're in the middle of a global pandemic and you've been as stressed as anybody. So, you know, it's like, okay, give yourself some grace. Yeah. We've been sliding backwards a little bit in recent months. If everybody's drops, then you're still relatively you're still good. above <laughs> the average. Yeah, I'm still okay relative to everyone else. We'll all get back there, but for the moment. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so it, it's just a kind of good story to tell on myself because that's, I think we all encounter that along our journey of life when it comes to EQ. So it's, it's a, a rather different assessment. And I find myself often having to kind of uh, remind people of that. Yes, I can relate to the toddler story. I have an 18-month-old baby right now that's going through the no phase. Oh, like, yeah. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a growing pain that we all go through. And I've taken a couple of these assessments throughout my career, and I've seen how much I've grown from one place, from one time in my professional journey to, I think the last one I took was probably about a year and a half ago. So there's a lot of difference in that growth in that definitely changed mindset. I, I do have to point out that when I started my professional career, I have two great mentors that showed me how to treat people the right way, whether you were a leader or not. And so I've taken that to heart over the last 20 some odd years of my career. And so I think that has helped me grow as I've become more of a vocal leader, more of a somebody who is shielding his employees from anything other than greatness. And so mm -hmm. I do see just how different I am from a year and a half ago to I think the first one I took was probably more than 10 years ago. But just thinking back where I was more than 10 years ago to where I was, where I am now, it's really enlightening. I mean, I don't think there's another way to say it. It's very interesting to see how you can grow professionally and personally. Yes. Yeah. Because obviously we, we we're talking about this in the sense of the professional setting, but it also touches you in a personal way yeah. because it does, because the way you look at those around you, not just in a professional setting, but in a personal setting, it is the same way. You still care for everybody that's around you at your house, you know, your parents, your brothers and sisters, et cetera. So that when you come into the workplace and you have people that you're responsible for, you still, you care about them because you want them to succeed, um, not just for the bottom line, but because you want to see them grow and you want to see them thrive as, as professionals. Yeah. I mean, this is obviously measuring the whole person, whether you're at work or not. So uh, people do often find, although we in the workshops that I run focus more on the workplace, it can have very positive ramifications for your interactions with family and friends as well. So let's talk about that change. How are ways someone could work on becoming more 
EQ aware? Is that such a, if if that's yeah. such a thing? Well, I think you hit the nail on the head right there. And that is, I would always recommend people start with the first component of emotional intelligence, which is self-awareness. You know, there's a lot of literature out there that says, you know, the best leaders know themselves first. So uh, some simple things we've done over the years is, you know, work with people to do something as simple as, you know, just set an alarm on your phone, I don't know, at three o'clock in the afternoon to just stop and make a note of how you're feeling and put a name to it Hmm. and do that for several days just to begin to awaken a muscle you may not have used much, which is just to stop and do a little bit of personal reflection. How am I feeling? And, you know, am I a little irritated or am I angry or am I in a full on rage? You know, being able to not just name it, but how much of it am I? Whatever, yeah. name the emotion. You know, am I feeling kind of calm and serene or pretty happy or elated? You know, just putting language around our emotions is something that most of us aren't that good at. So that's mm-hmm. a great place to start. You can build off of that into journaling. Uh, a lot of people over the years have found you know, stopping it at the end of the day or the beginning of the day, whatever works best for you to just stop and reflect on, you know, they'll often put down what they're grateful for, which is a great place to start. But also, how am I feeling right now? Taking stock and thinking about that. If you've never done that before, that can be very enlightening. And I think you kind of need to know what you're feeling and why to then be able to go, okay, and now how do I manage that? What triggered that good or bad? Um, and what what are the implications now as I move into the world to interact with others? So I always like to start with self-awareness uh, as a foundational point. And then from that, you can build, you know, a number of other techniques and strategies for growing in all five components. I do really like the stop and write down your emotions at that mm-hmm. moment and how you're feeling that. I mean, I've heard about journaling before, and I think we we all have in, in general, but I think just stopping on a dime and just, okay, this is how I feel at this exact moment. Yeah. And then maybe going back and maybe the next day doing the same exercise, but then going back to the day before might be a very healthy exercise just to kind of compare and contrast how your day's been going, you know, for a past perspective into what you're feeling today. Yeah. I mean, if you're not, you know, not everyone's into journaling, you know, sometimes I just literally pick up my phone, you know, when the alarm goes off at 3 PM or whatever time makes sense for you, I just jot down a note, you know, in my notepad on my phone to just say feeling blah, blah, blah. And then I take a second second to go, what, what do I think is driving that? Why am I feeling that way? Because that's the really interesting insight is, yeah, mm-hmm. I'm feeling calm. Why? I'm feeling really angry. Why? What triggered it? That can be where you get the greatest learning is understanding what's underlying that emotion. Yeah, that's that's an interesting exercise. I definitely will mm-hmm. start doing that. I've, I've done some journaling in the past, but I think but this is more in the moment in. Yeah. And I think about just looking back at the day before, or if you're on a Friday, looking back at the previous four days and just kind of annotating what that week was like versus what you're feeling on a Friday afternoon when you're (laughs) almost (laughs) free from work, right? (laughs) Yeah, I'm worn out. Why? (laughs) I'm exhausted. Why? This is why. (laughs) 
So let's talk a little bit about the workshop. What could you uh, tell us about the workshop? Well, the workshop that I've designed is, it takes approximately eight hours in total. You know, we can do it in a modular fashion, but during that time, we obviously introduce, you know, key concepts around EQ, what is it, why is it important, etc. But we devote a lot of time for self-reflection. Individuals do take the TTI, Emotional Quotient Assessment. So we kind of talk through what's in there so they can interpret it and then give them time to really think about what's it telling me, you know, surprises, not surprises, what do I want to do with this? So there's time for self-reflection, small group work. We often put people in pairs and then also large group discussion. The goal is that people will, by the end of the workshop, be able to walk out with some strategies to address identifiable personal triggers. So if we know that, in my case, technology not working, Brian will laugh because he's seen me (laughs) around technology, but uh, technology not working just drives me nuts. It, It stresses me out or it makes me angry. I don't know why. It's just like I believe it should work. But knowing that about myself means I get, you know, either people to help me or I take a deep breath or, you know, I've got a number of little techniques or strategies to use knowing that technology not working is a trigger for me. But oh, it's it's my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I just can't get enough of when something's not doing the thing I need it to do. That is uh, the best. Well, you have the right temperament to work with it because you walk into it curious. I just walk into it. Why isn't it working? <laughs> my specialty I have found over the years is to be inside my head going full Yosemite Sam, just like jumping up and down like, gah, 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 gah. but on the outside too, I'm going to try one more thing here and it'll work here in a second. And then I'll try the next thing and I'll just keep trying things until it works. And then meanwhile, in my head, I'm just a combination of cartoon characters just going full. Gah. Well, I've, all I see is the outside, Brian. It's always Mr. I'm, Calm, cool, and collected. I'm, I'm glad because if it, if it ever spills to the outside, then I think I think my career's over. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you've got great self-regulation on technology. I do not. So I'm glad to have you as a partner. But um, So everyone attending the workshop is able to dig down into their own particular triggers, the things that will set them off and figure out techniques and strategies with the help of, there's some resources in the assessment uh, report, but also we've all been on this planet long enough in group discussion, people talk about things they've tried, what's worked for them, and they beg, borrow, and steal from each other so that everyone walks out of the workshop with their own little personal toolkit of things to try. Because I think that's the important thing. People walk out with a plan of something to, to try to continue their growth on this emotional intelligence journey. Finally, who should attend this kind of workshop? And I mean, I think you explain a little bit about what they can expect coming out of the workshop, but who should attend? I would say any individuals who want to grow and develop their emotional intelligence in order to bring them their best selves to work. Mm -hmm. Certainly leaders who want to maximize their leadership capabilities and lead high-performing teams. And then anyone who wants to explore strategies and techniques to manage negative emotions and perform optimally. If anyone can identify with any of those three groups, they would certainly get something out of the workshop. Absolutely. And those are three very big reasons of why you should attend this workshop. Leslie, it's been an honor to have you with us on Ask Anything. Thank you very much. Thank you. I've enjoyed it. Thank you for listening in to this week's edition of Ask Anything presented by Mosher Consulting. We hope you enjoyed listening to Leslie McKellar talk to us about emotional intelligence. 
Join us next time when we continue to dive deeper with our resident experts and what they're currently working on. Remember to send us your ideas or topics via our social media feeds. In the meantime, please remember to give us a rating and subscribe to our feed wherever you get your podcasts. Until then, so long, everybody.